Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, this is Nancy Olson Livingston, and welcome to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcome you to this week's edition of TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will welcome back James Moses Black. Later on this hour, James Moses Black, one of the busiest and one of the most versatile character actors in movies and television today. James is one of the stars of Renfield. Renfield, the comedy horror movie starring Nicolas Cage that takes the legend of Dracula and turns it inside out. We'll talk about that. Plus, we'll ask James about some of his influences as a performer, which include Robin Williams, James Brown, and Sammy Davis Jr. He'll also share the invaluable bit of advice that Robert Guillaume gave James when James was a young actor. James Moses Black will join us later on in this hour. If you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we will open up the hour with an encore presentation of a conversation that originally aired in 2019 with Titus Williver. Titus Williver, the actor who plays former LAPD homicide detective Harry Bosch on the Amazon Prime series Bosch and the Amazon Freebie follow-up series Bosch Legacy and a man who was once described as the real reason that you need to get Amazon Prime in the first place. All seven seasons of Bosch are available for viewing on demand, as is the first season of Bosch Legacy. Titus, let me just start off by telling you I'm a late bloomer to Bosch. Uh, (laughs) All right. Even if you didn't bloom at all, that's fine too. What's nice about it is that those who had never read the book found the show you know, on Amazon, and then sort of uh, did a little reverse engineering and have gone back, and not even back, but are are reading the books and vice versa. So it's interesting how everyone finds their way, ultimately. Yeah, and what's particularly cool about the show and the way it's put together, I can see why it's addictive because watching the show is as close to the experience of reading not only the Connolly novels, but any novel. Yeah. Now, granted, it helps that the streaming service cues up the next episode. When you think about it, that's not unlike the experience of reading a book, because, okay, you read the first four chapters and you decide, okay, do I stop here or do I go on? So it's really perfect for binge watching. And it works that way by design, depending on the genre. But there are a lot of books where you find your you're doing precisely that. You're reading it, and you're so enjoying it that you don't want to stop, but you realize that you don't want to speed that enjoyment. You want to sort of relish it. So I think, and everyone does that at their own pace. I found that when I started to read the books, I read a couple of books Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in advance when we were shooting the pilot, but I've now read all the books, and I found that I really could not do my sort of typical thing of uh, reading in bed at night with the Connolly books because <laughs> I couldn't stop reading them. Yeah. And the first one I ever read in bed, I recall, I mean, it was two or something, three. 
3 in the morning, and my wife rolled over and said, really? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I don't know if she thought I was having some sort of a midlife crisis or had lost my mind and was doing shadow puppets. I mean, she just couldn't fathom that I would be up at that time of the evening or in the morning. And I just told her, I said, okay, I'm sorry, sorry. But I realized that I had not been conscious of the amount of time that had passed at all. So for me, the reading of those books took place either on an airplane or on a beach in a place where I was uninterrupted because I would go through the book. One of the books I read flopped on a beach in Tulum. We were on a holiday, and, and I suddenly uh, realized that the light had changed dramatically. <laughs> so I was terribly sunburned, and I was just closing the book, having finished it. An actor is an artist, but you're an artist-artist in addition to being an actor. And I would imagine because you have that sensibility born in you, you probably appreciated the fact that time changed and light became dark during that one day when you're reading that particular novel. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think depending on what kind of a visual artist one is, because I, I paint paintings in nature, or of nature rather, I'm very conscious of the light, particularly when I'm looking at a painting spot, I'll go back and revisit that area multiple times at different times of the day because I want to see how the light affects that image and what's the most desirable time of day to capture that. So, yes, I'm very aware of it, sometimes almost to the point of being self-conscious. <laughs> On the line with us is Titus Welliver. Titus plays LAPD homicide detective Hieronymus Bosch on Bosch, the Amazon Prime series based on the best-selling novels by Michael Connolly. Season 5 of Bosch will premiere later in 2019, while the first four seasons, first 40 episodes of Bosch are available right now for streaming on demand. You can follow Titus Welliver on Twitter at Welliver underscore Titus, as well as on Instagram, at Titus Welliver Official, as well as at Welliver Art, where you can see some samples of Titus's work on his Instagram account. I'm not an art scholar, Titus, but from what I can tell, and I think you kind of alluded to this just a few minutes ago when you were talking about describing your own work, this seems to be an impressionistic vibe to some of your work. Very much so. And by the way, I am not an art scholar myself. So, <laughs> uh, um, I kind of I kind of make it up as I go along to be completely straight about it. Well, that's because you're an artist. You're a doer. Well, I studied formally and did all that. And obviously, growing up with both parents being artists, my mother was a fashion illustrator. And then late in her career, uh, started to illustrate books. My father was a fine artist. He was a, an abstract expressionist, mm -hmm. I would say, but he did landscapes. It sort of becomes the thing that you know. Uh, and my parents certainly did not push us in any direction whatsoever, but both parents had studios. And, you know, when you're a kid, particularly with my parents, that thing of saying that you were bored just didn't fly. So it was always, you know, my father had reams of butcher's paper and old coffee cans filled with. <laughs> crayons and magic markers so it all sort of just kind of fell into place in that way but going back to you sort of become what you know mm -hmm. i spent a tremendous amount of time with my father in the woods when he was painting but he was a plein air painter i mean he would literally tramp 
you know, 15 miles on snowshoes to the middle of God knows where on the main Canadian border up around Allagash, Maine, and with a 80-pound backpack with an easel and paints and the like, and set up his little French easel and and do a study, and you know, it was harsh. It was you know really harsh, cold, 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 and he could paint only for a certain amount of time because until his hands would start to freeze. Yeah. But he had these uh, battery-powered mittens that he could slide his hand into. So I think everyone in our family at some point or another uh, experienced frostbite <laughs> from joining him on those treks. But I found that that was not the case. It, my source of inspiration was one that was maybe uh, um, maybe it was due to my frostbite. Uh, <laughs> at one of your paintings and when I look at it I bring my experience and the image may evoke something from my experience that will create the feeling of enjoyment or what exactly is he doing there whereas my neighbor across the street can look at that same painting and he has completely different experiences and that's sort of the beauty of art in a nutshell I agree hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. And I know my father has this experience and I, you know, I of course did too because I spent a lot of time in museums as a child and mm-hmm. some of it was drudgery, you know, honestly. But there were those paintings where you would look at them and have a desire to go into that painting, to be present in that physical space of that painting. Uh, and I think that of course Mary Poppins 
came along. (laughs) And that really kind of blew my mind because I thought, that's precisely what I want to do. I want to jump into Bert's chalk drawings on the sidewalk. (laughs) On this fantastic journey. And obviously, it didn't resonate with me until I was a bit older and had an understanding of how art works, but that always became the thing that I went back to in my mind was the genius of Mary Poppins to do that. Because that's really the sort of definition of the visceral experience when we look at a piece of art and we feel like we want to go inside of it. And they captured that in that film. Sorry, I digress a bit. Oh, no, no. This, this I is... always feel like that sort of really sums up and demonstrates the experience of being moved by a piece of art. This is the Titus Williver show. You can talk about whatever you want. About <laughs> <laughs> the penguins waiting on this. <laughs> we are talking to Titus Williver, the actor known around the world as the Man in Black on Lost, Silas Adams on Deadwood, Jimmy O'Fallon on Sons of Anarchy, and of course the title role in the Amazon Prime crime drama Bosch. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Our conversation with Titus originally aired in January 2019. All seven seasons of Bosch available for viewing on demand, Amazon Prime, while Bosch Legacy available, viewing on demand, Amazon Freebie. At the time we spoke to Titus in 2019, Bosch had just been renewed for its sixth season. Congratulations on the season six pickup. Thank you. Very, very excited about that. And of course, I'm excited for season five to come out of now all 10 episodes in their completed uh, and edited state and I'm very proud of the show I'm very proud of it I think it's um, you know we have the source material the books which are so rich obviously makes our job easier mm-hmm. in the sense that you've got such great material and Connolly is a master storyteller and he created this character who's very relatable and accessible to people and so in the process of moving that to a streaming series. It's been incredibly rewarding because the people that are dedicated to the books have become kind of equally dedicated to the show. Because I see how much joy people get from it, particularly the people who so love the books. I have people come up to me in airports and all over the place, and they really want to talk about Harry Bosch. And, mm-hmm. and everyone has a different kind of story, you know, about when they first discovered the books or... In the beginning, that was difficult for me because I didn't have the knowledge that I have now of the character, but uh, it makes me very happy, and I'm very proud of the show, and I think this, this, we just get better and better. This season that's coming up is, uh, we use the book Two Kinds of Truth. That's the one interesting thing about it when we say which book we're using. People who have read the books, they know the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story, but it requires great skill on Eric Overmeyer and Daniel Pine and Tom Bernardo and our other writers, great skill, because we don't do a straight adaptation. Mm -hmm. We've never followed the books chronologically. Really, the cases become the center of it, but we jump around a bit. And I think that keeps it strong. And, you know, we also, uh, we jump into the personal lives of some of the other characters, but not too much, because... The thing that people really tune in for the show is that they want to watch Harry work the case because the way that it's designed is that the audience becomes like they do in the books. They become invested in 
to dovetail on something we talked about a little while ago, yes, you have the knowledge of having not only done 40 episodes prior to starting season five, but also the knowledge and insight of having read Connolly's novels. So when you start working on the current season, you have an image in your mind of what you want to do, but at the same time, like your other work, it's a blank slate in that respect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Although I, I will say that the books in that regard, aside from the sheer pleasure of reading the books, there will be things that are in the books that the writers might not necessarily have cherry-picked into the process of writing the episode. Mm-hmm. I can sit down with them and, and with Mike and, and say, hey, there's a great marriage book where X, Y, and Z happens. Let's put that in there. And a lot of the stuff, I call them Harry's Easter eggs. <laughs> it becomes such a, a society of, you know, I kind of laugh a little bit when people say, yes, well, this whole Easter egg thing. is," And I say, it's not new. It's not anyone who's ever done puzzles or it's a box of Cracker Jacks. Yeah. It's a gumball machine. It's all the things that people of a certain age grew up with. I mean, I'm sure when you were a kid, when you were walking out of the supermarket, you know, you had those machines lined up, and some of them were grab bag things. They were like a quarter, and that was a big deal. My mother would be like, are you sure you want to <laughs> quarter on that? But, you know, those were the things that you didn't know. You were either going to get some tattoos, and you might get a, a Super Bowl or some crappy little rubber guy with a plastic parachute attached to his back. But, you know, we do a lot of those little gumball things. I'll find them in the books. or um, We've thrown a few things out there, particularly uh, we like to pay homage to some of our favorite films. The season before last, when Bosch boards this boat of one of the bad Special Forces guys, and he's looking around, and he finds a bunch of cash, and then he finds his fake IDs on one of the passports. It says Walter E. Kurtz. Marlon <laughs> Brando's character. The horror the horror. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just those little things, those things will go by, and then all of a sudden somebody will pop up on Twitter, and, and they'll have nailed it. We've got a couple of this season. One that I know is going to be particularly tricky, but I know, I know eventually someone will find it's called out. And those things are fun. Aside from the whole process of making the show, yeah. there's a great deal of fun doing things like that and finding new things in the book to pop in there. You know, I don't have a mustache, and Harry Bosch has a mustache in a lot of the books, and people have oftentimes said, why don't, why don't you have the mustache? Why don't you have the mustache? So I said, to Connolly, I said, well, we have this opportunity now. Harry Bosch has been suspended for six months. So he can't go to work as a cop. So let's just say for argument's sake that uh, he decides not to shave. Mm-hmm. Decides not to cut his hair. So when we come back, we find him with a big old beard. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he can't have a beard. And I said, no, I know he can't have a beard as a cop. He's not Serpico. But let's do a scene where he shaves it off and leaves the mustache. And then... Connelly and Overmeyer said, well, no, let's do it while he's FaceTiming with his daughter and leaves the mustache, and she kind of goes, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> let's, at, let's at least give the hardcore Harry Bosch fans of the novels, let's give them a, a glimpse of Harry with a mustache. 
on the tip of the hat. I mean, I've wanted to do a season with the mustache, but the guys always go, no, 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 let's not do it. Well, plus, there's a fine line. You have to acknowledge the readership of the Connolly's novels. I mean, what was it, 58 million copies sold, something like that? That's a, <coughs> just a couple. That's a big audience, but at the same time, Harry, the TV character, is not Harry, the character in the novels, because the TV series is a separate sort of thing. So while one right. is grounded in the other, they're both separate things. So to me, that's why Harry doesn't have a mustache in the TV show. Yeah, no, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, it would be, you know, also just from, although beards are very... Um, People always laugh because yeah. as soon as, as soon, I stop shaving, as soon as we finish shooting the show, there's two things that happen. I stop shaving and I always get the flu. <laughs> so you imagine the flu. All the months that went through the show, if I sneeze, I go, oh, no, 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 I can't get sick. Because I'm working every day. Yeah. Like, I, ah, I can't get sick. So I, I spend all of that time finding every kind of wellness concoction that I can have to absolutely ensure that I will not get sick. Typically, by the time we roll around, because we finish about a week after Thanksgiving, the week before Thanksgiving or a couple weeks before that, crew members, all of a sudden you go, oh, where's Sarah? Oh, where's Bill? Yeah. Everybody hangs on. It's inevitable that it catches up and, and creeps in. Do you take airborne? Yeah, I find with a lot of those homeopathic things, timing is the essence. Yeah. Stuff. It's that, like that, stuff that I, it took me 20 years to learn how to pronounce it, oscillococcinum, which you know you see in every health food store. Yeah. But, you know, that stuff is, I love that they say, at the first signs of feeling poorly, are you kidding me? Sometimes I just wake up in the morning, and for whatever reason, you know, it could be, maybe the air conditioning was set a little bit too high, so I'll wake up and go, oh, could I be getting a cold? <laughs> Let me start taking some oscillococcinum. It never works for me. I'll run to and, of course, I'll realize that I completely missed the wellness trolley. Yeah. I say to the guy, hey, I don't want to take that stuff because oh, no, no, no. But, you know, it works. You just have to get there at the right time. Yeah. But, well, that's kind of ridiculous. You can get some of these Theraflu things or whatever, and now I call it the bombing of the flu. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's a three-pronged attack with all of that over-the-counter stuff and sleep, and typically you can get through it. We're talking to Titus Williver, Titus Williver, the star of the Amazon Prime series, Bosch. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation with Titus here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.